I invite you to join me in prayer this morning. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I first stepped onto the campus of Christ United in the summer of 2014. I had just graduated seminary and I was looking for a full-time church position as I began the ordination process in the United Methodist Church. Now, typically, Methodist pastors don't submit resumes and go looking for jobs. But I wasn't ordained yet. I wasn't even commissioned. And I had just completed six consecutive years of doing that whole higher education thing. I felt a deep call to ministry. I had the diploma to prove it. And I also really needed some financial security in my life. When I drove onto this campus for my interview, I remember noticing a house being built on the north parking lot. And I remember that every person I met kept talking about how important serving was to this congregation. I was sold. Luckily, the staff who interviewed me reciprocated the feeling that I was called to be here in this community with all of you. This morning, we continue our sermon series called, Why Church? Chris and I have preached the past few weeks on why we believe being a part of the local church is important to our faith development and how we go about being Christians in the world. We've covered prayer and discipleship so far. I've especially enjoyed this particular series because with each sermon, we get to highlight one of our awesome ministries here at Christ United. When we preached about prayer, we highlighted our care ministry program. Last week, when we talked about discipleship, of course, we talked about the adult ministries program. This morning, we get to cover one of the most foundational pieces of Christ United, serving and our Serving Others ministry. Serving Others ministry is already the beating heart of our community. And today, we get to gather together and talk about why service is such an instrumental part of our faith and of this community. And before we get too far into talking about service, let's address the fact that you can be a great person and volunteer and serve the world and not belong to a local church. You can actually be a great person and serve the world and not even really be a part of any type of faith. But for us, our faith is often the what, the why, the how we go about demonstrating our faith in the world. As Christians, when we serve, we're sharing the love of Christ with others. Service is innate to the whole church thing, the universal church and this church. It's something we prioritize and it's something we deliver on time and time again. And still, we can always work to do more out in the world. 
we're going to talk about serving this morning in relation to a sort of complicated text. I would love to place the blame on Chris for that, but I actually picked out the text this morning, so it's my fault. We will be in the Old Testament looking in the book of 1 Samuel. Samuel, the actual man, not the book, he is considered one of the last judges, priests, prophets before the Israelites name a king. Before the Israelites had a king, Samuel and all of those who came before him in a similar role, they served as the person of power. They were who spoke to God. They were basically the ruler. You all may remember Samuel as a boy. His mother was Hannah, who was someone who was unable to have a child of her own, but yearned and prayed and prayed for one. During one of her prayers for a child, she promised that she would dedicate her child to God and put them in the service of God. She was blessed with a child, Samuel, and Samuel was placed with a priest named Eli, where he was mentored and grew up in the faith. After mistaking the voice of Eli two times, Samuel is also called to God. Do you remember that story? He's sleeping at night and God's voice comes and says, Samuel, Samuel, and he thinks it's Eli over and over until he realizes it's actually the voice of God calling this young boy. Samuel is also known for anointing the Israelites' first king, King Saul. He also eventually anoints the second king too, while the first one's still in power, he's who anoints King David too. Is this familiar for some of you? Yeah, we know this story. I always tell people when they're looking for things to read in the Old Testament that I personally love reading those first few books after the Torah because they read like a novel and I love fiction books. These are not fiction, but they're full of characters and twists and turns and drama. I highly recommend reading some of these if you haven't. But back to our subject for today, Samuel. He was the last of his kind because the Israelites, they desperately wanted a king. Now, Samuel was totally against this because he thought kings couldn't be trusted and that kings would abuse their power. Samuel also believed that the Israelites should consider God their king, not some human. But God actually leads Samuel to anoint Saul as the first king of Israel. Our passage today from 1 Samuel is Samuel's sort of final word to the people. He's going to pop up time and time again after this, but this is his last official message to the people of God. So we are going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verses 16 through 25. That is on page 243 of your pew Bible, if you want to follow along. Samuel says this to the Israelites. Now, therefore, take your stand and see this great thing that the Lord will do before your eyes. Is it not the wheat harvest today? I will call upon the Lord that he may send thunder and rain, and you shall know and see that wickedness that you have done in the sight of the Lord is great in demanding a king for yourselves. So Samuel called upon the Lord, 
And the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. All the people said to Samuel, pray to the Lord your God for your servants so that we may not die, for we have added to all our sins the evil of demanding a king for ourselves. So they're basically like, hey, just kidding, we don't want a king, but it's a little too late for that. Continues on in verse 20, Samuel said to the people, do not be afraid. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart, and do not turn aside after useless things that cannot profit or save, for they are useless. For the Lord will not cast away his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. So he's saying, even when you have a king, I will keep praying for you. I will instruct you in the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your hearts. For consider what great things he has done for you. Here's a little Deuteronomy. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. (laughs) This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Even though God has given the people a king, Samuel reminds them that they will still be connected to God that their emphasis on their faith, on their relationship with God, that it cannot be forgotten. I wanna highlight real quick verses 20 and 21. We're gonna read, but serve the Lord with all your heart and do not turn aside after useless things that cannot profit or save for they are useless. Samuel's last plea of the people of Israel is that they will continue to serve God, that they will continue to serve God with all that they have. When we volunteer, when we reach out to our neighbor, when we put someone else first, we are serving God. This is how we do that. I could go on and on about the mission opportunities that I've been a part of here and the many people I've met who have a deep, deep passion for serving. I worked in the youth department for many years, and as I began working there, one of the first group of people I met were five experienced men. They called themselves the old goats, let me reiterate, they called themselves the old goats. There are actually now nine of these men. This group spent huge portions of their year, even though they had jobs and families and commitments, they spent huge portions of their year scouting out locations for our high school mission trip, APA. They drew up plans and supplies for every single construction site that we undertook, about 18 to 25 each summer. This group of people pushed me outside of my comfort zone to go knock on doors and get to know the people, the communities that we were serving. They walked beside me as I learned how to be a youth pastor. And one of my favorite things about this group 
was that their hearts, their serving hearts, didn't stop at the construction aspect. Yes, their talents and their expertises were definitely in drawing plans, ordering lumber in bulk, and teaching worksite safety. But these people were also the ones who showed up on Sunday mornings to teach youth about God. They played nine square with kids on Sunday nights in the gym. They met with students for lunch on Monday afternoons. When you serve, you begin to recognize that you don't have to have every single skill. Yes, of course, you can serve in a way that you're good at, but you can also learn and grow and pick up a new experience and relationship along the way. I've seen the joy of a Sunday school class helping elementary children pick out holiday gifts for their loved ones at the Dooley Christmas Market. Due to hard work and passion, I've watched an empty parking lot become a house and a second chance for a family. I've listened in as children tie knots and blankets and say a prayer for the person receiving the blanket. I've heard the laughter of toddlers as they pick out books from our team of volunteers from the library. I've seen students step outside of themselves to serve someone else. I've watched our dirt trailer pull out of the parking lot on their way to respond to one of life's storms. Like today, I've witnessed families giggling together as they pack food for families in another country. Like I said, I could go on and on about the mission opportunities I've been a part of and the many people I've met who have a deep, deep passion for serving. I could go on and on and never skim the surface. I haven't gotten through a day since I first began here where I have not witnessed the serving hearts of this community. Why should you be a part of a local church? Why does the church matter? It matters because not any one of us are alone here on earth. We interact with one another. Our lives are intertwined. Our stories blend together. And we serve a God who calls each of us to acknowledge our common humanity and to work on building the kingdom here, right now. One big way we can take on that endeavor is by coming together to serve. Whatever your skills, Whatever your lack of skills, we believe that in serving, we catch glimpses of Jesus. The Israelites demanded a king. They wanted someone who would lead them into battle. They wanted what other cultures and nations had. They aren't wrong for that. Don't we too want leaders around who step up in hard moments to make decisions for the masses? But in the Israelites' demand for a king, they witnessed the presence of their God who was bigger than any king they could ever have. They were reminded by Samuel, their prophet, their priest, their judge, that above all else, God is with them 
and that it is God who calls them to serve. We serve when we set aside pieces of ourselves and make room for our neighbors. We serve when we come together as a community. We serve. It's who we are. It's who we are compelled to be because of Jesus' life and ministry. Jesus did ministry with normal people by his, his side. He was surrounded with fishermen, with sisters. He entered into relationships with the poor, with the sad, with the broken, with the outcast, and with the rich, and with the everyday person. The challenge for each of us today is to find some way to serve, to find some way to make the world a better place through kind actions. Sometimes it's tempting to think to ourselves, we're not really missions people. Or, you know, we don't really do the whole volunteering thing. We're just not really good at that. Or, you know, serving's really my wife's cup of tea. Or my father's cup of tea. Or my son's really great at serving, but not me. Consider this our personal invitation to try out some type of serving opportunity. It doesn't even have to be related to the church. I'd love it if it were, but it doesn't have to be. God's power is not limited to these walls. And if you need a starting place, our Serving Others ministry team is out in the atrium all morning long. I encourage you to just stop by and say hi. You don't have to commit. Just learn a little. Listen to some of the stories from our serving ministry. As Christians, we should never serve out of obligations or guilt or because I'm telling you to serve. We serve because we deeply care for others, because we yearn to follow that radical love that's taught to us by Christ. We serve because we are united and intertwined and we're connected by God. We serve because we're moved by that radical love practiced by Jesus Christ. We all have different places where we can fit in to serve. We're not all gonna be the old goats nor should we be. I encourage you to go out and find your place. And if you can't find it, share with us what your passion is. Maybe we can create something because our ministry doesn't stop at these doors. It goes out into the world. A few years ago, our Serving Others ministry had t-shirts made and on the back of them they said, United We Serve. That's my prayer for us, that our church may confidently proclaim, united we serve. Amen.